Welcome to A Serious Radio Live, the hour of truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. A warm welcome to our regular listeners and those who are new. Thank you so much for joining us on A Serious Radio Live, brought to you on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio on the third Tuesday monthly at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. UK Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Let us all allow our minds to be lifted upwards as this hour of truth invites you to discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary master of yoga and world-renowned medium, Dr. George King, between 1954 and 1997. Today, on A Serious Radio Live, your host, Chrissy Blaze, is joined by Alison Lawrence, who is an international director of the Aetherius Society and a popular international presenter of lectures and workshops. They will be talking about an intriguing subject, the lesson of Gotha. So, without further ado, it is my great pleasure to hand over to Chrissy and Alison. Thank you so much, Nikki, and a warm welcome to everybody listening, and especially a warm welcome to those on the eastern coast of the U.S. because it's freezing here and heavy snow uh, falls and all sorts of difficulties. So glad you're here and tuning in, and a special warm welcome, of course, to Alison who is a special hello, guest hello. on Aetherius Radio Live. So hello, Alison. How is it over hello. there in England right now? Well, it's a bit better. We had terrible weather last week, but it's just a bit warmer now. We're over the freezing level. Oh, so, good to hear that. <laughs> yes, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, so great to have you on the show. And if you, um, you will have heard Nikki explaining that what you're going to be talking about today. And some of you who've heard Alison before on this show may remember her very detailed and fascinating research on sort of little-known aspects of the Ethereum Society teachings. And um, that's great. So today, Alison, as you know, will be talking about a faraway planetary system from ours near the center of our galaxy called Gotha and the incredible interplanetary masters who reside there, especially you're going to be talking about the lesson of Gotha. And this incredible lesson is actually very relevant for all of us. And for the benefit Absolutely. of people, yes, for the benefit of those who are completely new today, and I know we will get some of those, I'll give a brief overview before Alison begins, if that's okay. And I think, um, so first of all, Gotha. What is Gotha? It's a planetary system in our Milky Way galaxy, thousands of light years away, quite near the center of this galaxy. It's inhabited, as many planets are, by an advanced, extremely advanced race of intelligences, far, far more than any of us on Earth living on this physical plane. In the 1960s, their system was under attack by alien forces, and some of these masters from Gotha made an appeal to the five adepts, five interplanetary agents, three of whom were residing on Earth at that time in fourth aspect physical bodies. And we have talked about that before in previous shows. Dr. George King, because of his own cosmic status, was able to receive communication about this on behalf of the five adepts. As a result of this appeal and the response from the adepts, Alison's going to discuss in detail the amazing assistance given to, our, uh, given to us on Earth as a result of this interplanetary appeal. 
And we should remember as we hear this fantastic story unfold and we hear about the spiritual, tremendously spiritual stature of these adepts from Gotha, these masters, and some of their capabilities, although they live in a remote part of our galaxy, they are living, breathing, feeling intelligences similar to us, but far, far more advanced spiritually and technologically and scientifically and in every way, actually. And I think if we realize that, that they're kind of like us, but far, far, far closer to God, then I believe we can have a greater understanding and appreciation rather than thinking of them as some remote interplanetary intelligences. They're not remote at all, as you'll hear. So, Alison, would you like to begin by talking about this system of Gotha and how the story began with the attacks by aliens on their system and what they did about this? Yes, certainly. Well, it's a story that started many thousands of years ago, and they were wonderful spiritual beings. They were intergalactic as well as galactic travelers. And what they liked to do was to share their customs and ideology. And so they'd go to different worlds and uh, share their knowledge and experience and help, you know, lesser planetary races, less evolved to advance. And of course, they had a superb scientific technology. But one day, this is the story now, they came across an apparently friendly race on another world and they exchanged ideology, ideologies, but they gave away too much scientific in, uh, information. And this sort of am, ambassadorial uh, attachment, if you like, landed on this planet. And then these alien beings attacked them. And there was a battle, and uh, some of the people from Gotha escaped from this attack, and they went back to Gotha. But luckily, uh, the, the inhabitants of Gotha, and there are two planets, by the way, they were able to uh, repel the attack by raising every inhabitant on the two planets to a higher energy plane. And uh, they couldn't keep this up for too long, but however, they managed to uh, stop these invaders who then aborted the attack and they went their way. And after that, they were, they were in such a state of shock, if you like, they decided to turn inwards. So they became priests. They became inward-looking, focusing purely on their self-development. And... They uh, developed this monastic existence for some 25,000 years. But what was happening was that they were involving rather than evolving. And as uh, Dr. King said in the lecture that he gave, they let the galaxy pass them by. However, there was a rebel and there was a, who had a contingent of uh, people who supported his way of thinking which was to resume their spiritual and outgoing work. And uh, they, they carried this on against the, you know, the directive, if you like, of the priesthood. And uh, you know, they wanted to help people suffering. However, I mean, actually, there is a comparison with uh, the yogis of old. And because we too, on earth, used to detach 
from the suffering of others. You know, the yogis and the mystics would go into the caves and not be sort of, how can you put it, detuned by all the suffering and all the goings on on our planet. But that was allowed in those days. But of course, it's all very different now. However, can I just there's say an, one thing? Yes, yeah. this sprung to mind. Yeah, of course, this is um, this is so true. What you're saying, but people generally have always equated spirituality with this sort of more meditative approach. But it's interesting that during this current pandemic, this crisis the people that are really being appreciated now and that we would regard as spiritual, indeed they are, are the ones who are helping, healing the nurses, the doctors, the frontline workers. So there's been a slight reorientation in that respect, don't you think, in the last year or so, which is oh, very good. Oh, absolutely. I think it's been absolutely yeah. outstanding. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a real act of service, those people who are putting themselves in the front line to help the victims of the you know, the coronavirus. And, you know, they're taking risks, but they're doing it to help other people. And they don't, they may not even have any sort of spiritual belief. They're just doing it for humanitarian reasons. And I think it's really commendable. And of course, if you do, if you, you know, perform a spiritual act without any uh, reward in sight, you will advance. You know, that is the nature of service. In fact, that's what they call karma yoga. It's uh, non-attachment to the fruits of your actions. It's, uh, that's, yes. Yes. that's what Swami Vivekananda said, actually. And, of course, in yes. the theory society, we do that on the, on a different level, on the spiritual level, and on an energy level, and that's the, <clears throat> that's the big thing. Yeah, so this is not uh, this is happening in other parts of the galaxy too. This realization is fascinating. So um, please do carry on with your. I'll carry on with the story. story. Yes. <laughs> well, you know the old saying: that which you fear the most will come to pass. Yes. Absolutely. And one day, you know, in their uh, monastic reveries or you know concentration and development, spiritual development. Several unfamiliar alien craft were spotted on a collision course with their two planets, and they then came into orbit. And once again, the priests, you know, who were in charge of all the spiritual education of the people from Gotha, uh, instructed them to, to, to go back into this higher energy plane like they did before. But when they came back down from that plane, the invaders were waiting, and then they launched a really serious attack. And uh, then they, have, they had another superb piece of technology, which is a cosmic net. And that is absolutely outstanding. I mean, if ever the old age, all for one and one for all, applies, it certainly applies to the people from Gotha. That means that if they are attacked, the whole race will take the blow. It's sort of spread out amongst every member of the population of Gotha so that it's infinitesimal. Instead of having a serious uh, rocket you know, attack or whatever, and uh, you know, it sort of spreads it out and virtually neutralizes it. But of course, it's only a protective measure. And then 
some help did come to the people from Gotha who were then under siege by the these the real aliens from the alien galaxy and they were known as the nomads of the galaxy or the galactic gypsies and they are like a troop of uh, spiritual people who uh, you know to help people who are under attack and they you know it's it's marvelous the, their work is absolutely marvelous and they had a fierce struggle with the alien expedition and that was the this force was sent away however they came back and once again these galactic gypsies threw them off a second time now while all this was going on uh as i mentioned this rebel from gotha was still sending out his sort of ambassadorial team to spread the, the truth and culture around the galaxy. And that is how the eviction of the alien android from Earth by the five adepts was monitored. And he was totally in awe of the, the, how they did it. Three in physical bodies and two other uh, adepts who were just existed on the on the uh, astral planes and he was able to slip out unnoticed and he asked the adepts for help begging for assistance so how, how did, and, Alison, how did that uh, how did that approach take place right this is very interesting our master dr king had just was just recuperating from the uh, end of the alien mission which was January the 22nd, 1966. And he was, he was in bed, he was resting, and he suddenly felt a probe searching his mind. Now, it wasn't anything bad. And interestingly enough, the other two adepts in the physical bodies also had a similar experience. So he yeah. relaxed into this state. And the next thing... He was taken away from Earth in an electronic cocoon and a humanoid figure telepathed to him through the cocoon that their planet was under siege by the same alien invaders who tried to conquer Earth, asked him what they were doing about it. And they said, well, nothing at all. Because the, the priests on Dothra thought that the aliens had as much right to their planet as they did. I mean, it's just biggest belief, really. But, I mean, who are we to judge, you know? But yeah. that was the wake-up call that they needed. And the adepts told this individual. And this was related to the Supreme Council of Gotha, that if they would not defend the planet from the alien invaders for their own sakes, then they should do so to stop the alien invaders getting a foothold in this galaxy for the sake of other less evolved cultures who also could not defend themselves. And this is the big lesson. And yeah, so, I mean, just the, the contact alone is fantastic, isn't it? I mean, they're not only master, great masters of science, the sciences and spirituality, but they have these phenomenal psychic powers that to be able to approach our master um, in this way, telepathically, and just the feet of this one thing, monitoring every move of the adepts. 
I know, I know. And telepathic yes, probe over thousands of light years is amazing, isn't it? Just I know, it is absolutely alone. extraordinary. You see, I've often read that there are the corridors in the ethers of space. So there must be channels along which um, uh, craft, interplanetary craft can travel. And they, they, you see, they don't necessarily travel on this physical plane. You see, they may well have the technology so that they can travel on higher planes of existence, maybe up to level six. And, uh, you know, they can, they can get through time and space in a much shorter time. You know, we're limited to the physical plane and we just, we're told that nothing can go beyond the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second. But of course, that's not so because uh, we've been told that the speed of thought is like 4 million times the speed of light. So, uh, you know, we haven't even scratched the surface of the sort of technology that they had. No, absolutely. About the corridors through the ethers, I hadn't heard that before. That sounds uh, no. I've come across that uh, a few times. You know, there must be Mm. definite lots of channels. I mean, I I know that even scientists today are looking at sort of bending space and you know different dimensions. I mean, it's only a theory at this stage because I mean we don't have the means to do it at all. So. Uh, but anyway, I mean, uh, I mean, I've got, I've got some information about the technology that they have. But if you like, I can, I can go through that with you later. But yeah, uh, I think, I, I think, I mean, this story is uh, is so fantastic. It really is. Yeah, please do continue. Yeah, thank you. Right, where were we? So, the adept. Anyway agreed to help to repel the aliens and and they were now seriously under siege Um, so they had certainly learnt the lesson that it was their duty before God to defend their planet to stop the alien getting a foothold in this galaxy and the lesson was action and service to others And if the alien can make bases upon Gotha, that means he'd be able to easily progress to other less evolved races who could not defend themselves. So then, after that, the aliens changed... That that lesson, can I just uh, mention the lesson of Gotha? I mean, it's a fantastic thing, and and we know that um, it wasn't just the, the Gotha masters that we're aware of, but every single individual on the two uh you know planets that are inhabited changed and saw oh it, they right? did absolutely in a flash and they were all 100 percent behind this this adept and the priests the priests took a bit longer but the, once they got it that was it i mean However, that's, that's such a that's such a lesson for every one of us isn't it that you can gain this tremendous spirituality be so advanced and yet have this great humility and, let's face it, self-honesty. And if we had that type of spirituality, humility and honesty, our world would change for the better in a very short oh, period of time. Oh, uh, absolutely. No question I mean, about incredible. it. That lesson is incredible, I think. 
that aspect of it, which shows so clearly their tremendous, what tremendous um, persons they were. I don't like to describe them as people, but um, you know, fantastic intelligences. I mean, so the problem. Oh, that's right, Chrissy. You see, the problem that. with the human human beings on Earth is that they got a massive ego. They don't like yes. to admit they're wrong, and uh, yeah, this is what is holding holding them back. Yeah. Ah. There was like, it wasn't whether they liked these adepts. It wasn't whether they liked it or not. It wasn't whether they, you know, they that didn't come into it at all. Um, it was fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> well, shall I carry on with the story? Oh, because it, yes, it's really—I mean, yeah. it, it's better than any science fiction story that's ever been invented. And then this it is really truth. Is. This is truth. So, the the adepts are now involved with Gotha, and the alien, the you know, from this other alien galaxy, sent a peace mission. And I say that in inverted commas. Right. And the priests let down their barriers, even though the adepts told them not to do it. And what happened? A craft, uh, another craft approached. The barriers came down, and it detonated a radioactive gas around their two planets. But it was action by the adepts that stopped this in its tracks, and they say they saved the day. And that is when 100% of the population supported the adepts, as though the adepts were emissaries of the gods themselves. And that is a quote from Gotha Speaks to Earth. And they came out into the light of action. And this is when our master received a visitation. In fact, he invited this individual, this, this rebel master. And he came in a, in a, a large uh, a galactic spacecraft that was some two miles long, and it went into orbit of our moon. And every word that this individual spoke was transmitted telepathically to the spacecraft, and they could see everything that he saw, everything that he heard, because they had a way of being able to look through his eyes, which was, was quite amazing. Yes. And this individual looked at the comparative squalor that our master lived in, and he could not believe it. He saw the temple in Los Angeles. And, you know, on Gotha, they have temples which can seat six million individuals. He could also see... I, I think people would be interested to know how you know how he came. Was he dressed in a spacesuit? Um, this kind of oh, thing. Oh well, like? I can tell you what he looked like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean this is I think what everybody wants to know. What sort of appearance do they have? Well, when he visited our master, he materialized into a physical form, directly from the mothercraft. And he is, was of delicate build, about 5 foot 10 inches high. He had a sort of golden-coloured skin and light-coloured hair that was almost white. A very large, dark eyes. And according to Dr. King, he was very beautiful to look at. And he was estimated to be some 20,000 years old at that time. 
because on Gotha they've conquered the aging process. Right. He didn't speak, no sound, but obviously he was telepathic and the whole communication between our master and the master from Gotha was telepathic. But this individual could read. Uh, he was wearing a silver one-piece suit, which is the type of space suit that uh, the cosmic masters wear. But I think on Mars, they tend to have darker suits. But this one was silver. And now this will interest you. He had a, a special belt with an antibacterial sonic device because our bacteria could be harmful to him. Right. So I think that's very interesting that you can repel bacteria with uh, ultrasonic frequencies. I think that's oh, an yes, area yes. that our scientists should start looking in, into. Oh, I mean, absolutely. We're, I mean, we're halfway there because you can get mosquito repellents and, you know, made in that way, you know, that it, it has a frequency that we can't hear. Oh, anyway. that's true, yeah. Yes, yeah. so I think that's, that's an area of uh, research that I think the scientists should look at. Anyway, I'm not an expert, but that really gave me some food for thought. <laughs> yes, now, <laughs> now, this individual didn't have long hair. It was just above shoulder length, but not, uh, not like the long hair that you see the, with the Venusians and, and some Martians. But it was a sort of... It was uh, it was it wasn't a feminine hairdo, but it was shortish, but not the sort of crew cut. Right. Um, and he was certainly highly cultured, sensitive, and uh, we know that they love music. It's not just entertainment to them; it's it's food. Um, mm. And he had complete control over the flow of blood. He did breathe because uh, our master saw him. He could see that he was actually breathing. And it's possible that he had uh, uh, control over gravity because we don't know how the gravitational conditions on Gotha compare with ours. Right. Yeah. But of course, you wouldn't be able to touch him. If you tried to do that, he would fade out, you know, suddenly try to like, disappear, like re retreat. And... Uh, his name was probably like a sound vibration that we wouldn't be able to understand, replicate, or even hear. And also, unlike us, they can live on all the planes. They don't have to go into a separate body, auric body. Whatever, they come in a physical body, and that can exist on any plane of existence on Earth. So that tells you a little bit about the masters from Gotha, these great, wonderful spiritual beings and the, you know, the abilities that they have. I mean, they're excellent healers. But I can, can go fantastic. into that. <laughs> yes, it's fantastic. I mean, it's, I think it's so important to get a visualization of what they're like. And really, you know, we're so, so backward on this planet. <laughs> we really are. And if we think we've made it, as some people do, then we'd, we haven't even begun the journey. You know? But it's oh, fantastic, you're right. too, that we, we have this journey, we have something to reach for, and that the key is, is as you say earlier, service to others. Um, it doesn't have to be a particular religion or even none at all, as you mentioned. 
But that's the, the key for us to begin this fantastic journey ahead of us and they demonstrate so much of that as of course so do the adepts the five adepts now well adepts. Uh, yes absolutely um so yeah thank you for that very vivid uh, description and can you also tell us um what did they do when they were at the american headquarters there were certain things that they they realized certain things they did that were very fascinating too oh i know um i mean our master showed him around the American headquarters, and there are certain things. I mean, this is really, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, he recognized the TV screen because the idea of a screen is a universal concept, but of course they don't have electric wiring in the way that we do. And as I was saying, all communication was by telepathy. So he came into uh, a master's apartment and he saw the fish tanks so he was very curious about this life form. <clears throat> and then he was quite horrified to hear that if these fish were released into the sea, they'd be eaten by larger fish. Because, uh, yeah. you know, he saw that as being absolutely savage. But, I mean, that, and that exists right through the whole animal kingdom. You know, but on Gotha, you know, all, all life, even animal life, is on a higher level. So interesting. Yes. <laughs> so then our master took him into the transmission, and straight away he could see that it was a, a really sacred place. And he looked at the recording apparatus, and he could not believe that the whole of the Gotha mission and the alien mission had been recorded through this really archaic apparatus. So then he... He detected in another room Lady Monique's dog. That was our master's... Well, they weren't married then, but uh, 1966. <laughs> and uh, this master from Gotha did not understand the concept of a pet. Well, I mean, in certain countries on Earth, as you know, we're all sort of pet mad. <laughs> yes. But on Gotha, you know, they respect animal life, but they don't have pets the way we do. Right. And then now recordings, because, you know, I was talking about our archaic recording apparatus. But on Gotha, all recordings are made on specially grown crystals and then electronically impinged on the crystals. And these are then stored in a vacuum. Well, that's very different. <laughs> Yes. And then you see uh, brain waves are also impinged on crystals, and they can be stored for thousands of years in a vacuum. And when I say a vacuum, not what we call a vacuum, because I don't think on Earth they, we can create the perfect vacuum, but there'll be no deterioration whatsoever. That's another and, area uh, for scientists to uh, look into further, isn't it? Well, a crystal technology is coming to the fore. <laughs> I mean, it's very popular you now. You know a lot about sure that, you... being a, a gemologist as you are. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I don't That's know a fraction of what they know on Gotha. Yeah, exactly. So what else well, is Alison, very actually, um, Yes. is this a good place to have a break? And we can yes, resume, of course. Uh, this story and also talk about um, the help they're giving us to you yes of course i know this is that's something else because 
the lesson that they learned, you know, they really wanted to do anything that they could to help our world in honour of the five adepts. You know, they'd give their life, they'd break a leg, they'd take on a disease, whatever it took so that they could help in Operation Sunbeam. I think... Well, we'll have a break now and resume after the break. So over now to Nikki, our producer. Thank you. Right. Well, well, wow. What a a wonderful uh, first part of this show. Thank you, Chrissy and Alison. Absolutely fascinating. You are listening to A Serious Radio Live with host Chrissy Blaze and her guest, Alison Lawrence, talking on The Lesson of Gotha. You'll be pleased to hear that on Tuesday, March 2nd, there will be a King Yoga Experience event, and this will be live-streamed from the Aetherius Temple in London, and it is entitled, Intelligent Alien Life Exists in Our Solar System. Please visit Aetherius.org for more details. As always, you are warmly invited to join us for all services, both live stream and online, during this difficult period when so much spiritual healing and energy is so desperately needed in our world. Details of these vital services are also on our website. For the next Aetherius Radio Live show on March 16th, your host, Richard Lawrence, will be joined by his guest, Brian Kniep, Executive Secretary of the American Headquarters of the Ethereum Society in Los Angeles. And they will be covering an essential topic in the Ethereum Society, and it is called Dr. King's Last Mission, Operation Powerlight. So that's it for now, and I'm very pleased to return you to Chrissy and Alison. Thank you, Nikki. So Alison, in the first part, talked about the lesson of Gotha and how they took this much, much further by offering to help in whatever way they could, despite, as Alison said before the break, the sacrifice and the suffering it may entail. I'm sure it, it does entail and how they are helping so much our world with Operation Sunbeam. And just to, for new people, just a brief overview to that. We have talked about it before on this radio show. This is a cosmic mission in which spiritual energy is sent to the Mother Earth, the living goddess upon whom we live and have our being, and who sacrificed so much to enable us to live here. And we owe her a colossal debt through taking and taking and taking without any thought of gratitude, let alone repayment. And Operation Sunbeam was devised by Dr. George King in 1966 to help solve this problem, to bring about this karmic balance. And as a cosmic master himself who understands the complexities and the simplicity of this great law of karma, um, this is a great karmic manipulation on behalf of, of humanity. And Alison, perhaps you can describe the role of these masters from Gotha um, in Operation Sunbeam. Yes, certainly. <clears throat> well, in order to give energy to the Mother Earth, it takes someone of a much higher evolutionary caliber who can invoke energy way above anything we can invoke that would be acceptable to the Logos of any planet, really. And 
because they were so far advanced, they were able to do this. Um, I mean, the first phase of this mission, Operation Sunbeam, which took place on September the 24th, 1966. Now, this was monitored by this master from Gotha, and that's when he knew he had to help. And he applied to the the Council of Sons. He he made application to the across the galaxy to have the karmic permission to be able to come to this earth because what you had to take into account is the overall karma of the human race which is not good so they couldn't just send a contingent of uh, 25 individuals so to begin with two masters from Gotha were allowed to come to earth to invoke the energy which would then be distributed through a psychic center of Earth. And in the early phases of Operation Sunbeam, a battery was uh, was charged, and then and it was charged by the masters from Gotha, and then uh, our master would take a boat over a psychic center over you know, that was uh, underwater, and the energy would be drawn into the psychic center of Earth. Well, I mean, Operation Sunbeam has had many changes over the years, and it's not done that way now. And the two masters from Gotha were joined by a third, and they reside with the spiritual hierarchy of Earth in, in one or more of the retreats. We don't know exactly where. We haven't been told, but they could well be on Shambhala, they, they, you know, there are any number of retreats around the world where they could be. And they are here, and they uh, are going to be here as long as, as we are able to perform Operation Sunbeam. Because one aspect of this mission is that it has to be touched by human hands. I mean, otherwise, we wouldn't have any role at all. And it's the fact that right. we recognize the importance of Operation Sunbeam. So... Both are a karmic necessity for this mission to be successful. And of course, one of the great things is that the Masters from Gotha spread the news of Operation Sunbeam throughout the galaxy. And they sent representatives to different planets so that other people as well, who were less advanced, could perform a similar mission in their way to help their planetary logos. And, uh, you know, the Master Sirius himself delivered a fantastic transmission. Operation Sunbeam inspires the galaxy. And, uh, I mean, this is a credit to our Master, Dr. George King, who had the vision to come up with such a concept. Yes, absolutely. Um, we owe, you know, it's amazing to think that we owe so very much, every single man, woman, child on this earth, owe so very much to these wonderful interplanetary masters who are millions and millions, light years away from us. It's incredible to think that, that we owe them so much and that they're not known about on this earth. This is a, such a frustrating thing, but at least we in the Ethereum Society, we try to spread this message as much as possible do now because, you know, in karmic law, you can't just take and take and take. No, without any of course not. And so we, well, I mean, we celebrate this is... this every year 
and constantly too. Thank you. Yes, we do. (laughs) But of course, they were very sad, actually. They were very upset that the majority of human beings on Earth didn't even know about the eviction of the alien. Uh, You know, they're just so slow, you know, after what the adepts went through. And uh, they have not had the recognition that they deserve. You know, the ho- we should there should be a shrine to the adepts on every level of existence. You know, and I mean, I think one day it will happen, but when we're, we're not there yet. And you know, on Gotha, they built a shrine, a shrine to yeah. the the six adepts, and. Uh, there's an eternal flame that has built into it, and this will burn forever. And that is the sort of recognition that they should have. Absolutely, absolutely. And we do fortunately have shrines in our Assyria Society, all our official headquarters, branches, groups. Uh, well, I don't know about the groups, yes. but certainly in all the official headquarters and, and yes, branches absolutely. of the Assyria yes. Society, we have special altar, special shrine to the wonderful adepts who inspired these adepts from Gotha. Well, I mean, uh, the more we... Oh, yes. Go on. (laughs) Sorry, Chrissy. They also have helped um, in other ways as well, not just Operation Sunbeam. Operation World Healing was one way, right? Is there anything you'd like to mention about that? Well, there's one uh, one mission that I can talk about, which was uh, the uh, uh, World Emergency of 1972. Yes. And uh, what happened was that um, an alien craft, it was, I think it was within this galaxy, but we weren't told exactly where, came in orbit of our Earth and started siphoning off energy, energy output from level five. And uh, they were approached and they wouldn't communicate. And in the end... Uh, well, what was happening was that this uh, energy, uh, the energy level on level five was going down, and this this proved to be a potential danger to all the realms because there's only a very fine energy membrane that divides the realms, separates them. And if these collapsed, which it could do, you'd end up with the lower astral realms were sort of sending their hordes into the higher realms, it would be an absolute disaster, and this would then have its reflection on the physical plane. So the masters from Gotha were allowed to help, and they sent, uh, they spent, sent some spacecraft, they surrounded the, the, this alien craft, and escorted them out of the galaxy. And then the adepts performed a very important task, which was to regenerate the energy depletion of level five. And this was done through a power manipulation. And then the the masters from Gotha, they went to help these aliens because they were actually suffering from a virulent disease and they were dying out and somehow they needed this particular energy. So Gotha sent a deputation to their planet to help them, to teach them and to heal them. And I think that's a really selfless act of service. That's you know, they really, yes, they've really learned their lesson. So once again, they were free. They felt free to roam the galaxy, you know, sharing yeah. their knowledge, 
but with experience this time, with a greater understanding yeah. of the law of karma. So yeah, that's, that was, that's a fantastic story. Sorry, I mentioned, I said world healing in the beginning. Of course, it's the world emergency. That was what I meant. Yeah, oh. apparently the, these aliens had been making probes for 40 centuries to find this source of energy. So they were desperate. Yes, um, they really were. <laughs> 40 centuries. Can one imagine? So thank you so much for that, explaining that. And I just also, um, you talked about the two adepts on Earth. And Alison, you'll remember that in 1991, there was a changeover of one of the adepts. Yes. And this also is very, very fascinating, if you'd like to talk about oh, that. Oh, it certainly is. You see, um, <clears throat> they were initiated into the uh, Intergalactic Federation, and there was a superb initiation beneath the surface of Jupiter. And uh, but, so they were then given the code names of Adept Nixie 0010, Adept Nixie 0011, and Adept Nixie 0012. Um, but there was going to be an interchange of personnel. So it wasn't necessarily going to be the same three. But there was a change uh, with Adept Nixie 0011, and he was replaced by a man, and this this was, was published in the, in our Cosmic Voice. And who? So this new individual was going to take on the the name of Adept Nixie zero zero eleven. And he was not only a famous pilot, but he became a specialist in space spores and viruses, some of which are not sentient but more mechanical and magnetic. And he offered his services to the Interplanetary Academy of Sciences and was later accepted. Now, it's very interesting that that should happen. And, uh, yes, it is. Our master, yeah. And our master said, nothing happens by chance. He said, this particular master being such a specialist in deadly space spores, it made his blood run cold. And in fact, Richard was with him and Lady Monique King, and he said he hoped it was not ominous that a master with such expertise should be sent to our planet. So he was literally sent here. Mm. I mean, he still carries out his essential role in Operation Sunbeam, but it's very interesting, you know, in view of the pandemic, pandemic that's come. You know, sometimes these things take a little while to manifest. But we don't know what's going on the other planes. And here we have someone who is an absolute top specialist in spores and viruses. You know, you couldn't make it up. But that, that's yeah, what it's, happened. It's, that was 1991. It's fantastic because obviously there must have been a very good reason for the changeover, as you say. And uh, yeah, he was a great—he was a great—he um, was fought, I believe, this one in the the Alien Wars, was he? Yes, not, that's right. The siege of yes. Gotha. And then he left his system, his entire to, to gain experience, to learn in other parts of the galaxy, and I think even beyond, becoming proficient at many, many different things, as you pointed out. So he was a fantastic individual. Yes, was the previous uh, wow. Well, of course, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I so, mean, they they really help in every way that they can. 
I mean, one phase of Operation Sunbeam was actually in including our Operation Prayer Power Energy. And what they did was they changed the frequency of our prayer power energy so that it could be used in a future phase of Operation Sunbeam. And we know now that some of our energy has gone to the Logos of Earth. I mean, that is yeah. the greatest honor that we could ever have to know really? that that actually happened. And the karmic implications of that, I'm sure, are enormous. Yes. Yeah, that's fantastic. Aaron. Really fantastic. Alison, I have a quote yes. here. Um, yes. Which was from a lecture by our master given in 1967, which I think gives us another glimpse into the fantastic, majestic spirituality of these great masters. And I wonder if I could read that now. Yes, absolutely. Um, we're getting close to the to end. Hear it. Oh, oh, I can't minutes, believe that's fine. <laughs> Yes. This is uh, Dr. George King, and he said, and of course, as you've heard in this radio show, uh, our master, great cosmic master, Adept himself, knew these masters from Gotha uh, virtually more than anyone. So this is what he said. He said, these beings will never, 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 under any consideration at all, disobey the great law of karma. The lords of karma had declared, as the master Ethereus will tell you, that under no account must the two planets of Gotha and all the people thereon perish. And you will see exactly what the powers of light in this solar system did. People who are not warlike. People who are not combatants. People who are so spiritual that you people that's us, will never realize the depths of their spirituality for a million more lives to come. People who loathe going to war, people who hated it far worse than you, well, not hated it, but disliked it far, far worse than you have ever disliked anything in your life before. And yet people who without any second thought went into action to save others because they knew it was their duty. Jesus said that greater love has no man than he who gives his life for a friend. That's not a complete statement. I say that greater love has no man than he who will sacrifice his salvation for an enemy. This is the greatest love of all. It bypasses anything ever depicted or pictured by Jesus. Not because Jesus didn't know, because Jesus had to modify his truth. As these are the last days, as these are the last days, those few teachers on earth, there aren't many, there's only a few now, the few teachers on earth no longer modify their truth. Here you will see how very peaceful, great, majestic beings went into a belligerent action and how they brought it off, even though, as the Master Ethereus says, war to them is entirely foreign to their very natures. But you see, they were ordered by their gods to do this. And that is all that matters. Isn't that fantastic? It is. It's, it's absolutely a beautiful statement and so true. You see, our master said, it's not enough to just believe in God. You have to work for God to prove your faith. 
and by working for God, you you are serving others. And this is this is the big lesson. It's a lesson that we've had to learn on this earth. You know, we're told that it's no longer the the norm to go into to retreat. We have to come out in service. We have to help in any way we can. And if we do this, it will help to raise our consciousness. This is the big lesson. You don't even have to have great knowledge. You know, you can have great knowledge and not be spiritual. But you, to have both is just, is uh, well, the way to evolution. Absolutely. And, of course, another great lesson there is that they were prepared to give up or they didn't have that free will because they'd way past that stage. But like or dislike didn't come into it at all. They just no. um, did what was right and, and they obeyed the law of karma, which is a huge lesson, is it not, for humanity now that even small things, uh, very, very insignificant things, uh, they choose to hold on to what they like and what they dislike. And, and this really limits us. You know, we can think of examples now um, that are happening on Earth. Um, you see, that the problem with humanity is that they can't conceive of anything greater than themselves. I mean, sometimes in science fiction, there's a little glimpse of, the, you know, the concept of interplanetary life, but it's still limited by our human concept and yes. achievement. But, I mean, there's absolutely no limit you know, one of the great things was at the end of the Gotham mission itself, this demonstration of this great force. Was it a lord of creation? We haven't been told that just took into itself weaponry of these aliens. And yes. at the end of the day, the forces of light will win. They have more power than the forces, the evil forces. But the difference is that the forces of light don't use their power. It's not a demonstration unless it's absolutely necessary. And they operate strictly according to the law of karma. And that's another great lesson. You know, having the power, you don't necessarily just use it. You don't show it off, you, you know. I mean, that was a great lesson, I think. And the, the aliens, I think, will learn. And uh, I think D Dr. King did say that uh, a probe will be sent to this alien galaxy to show these people the errors of their way. And in the course of time, maybe not immediately, they will change. Because any, anyone can change. It's possible. I mean, obviously, they're going, to, they're going to have to go through limitation because, you know, what they, what they set out to do was evil. And, you know, that applies to the, uh, the black magicians on the lower astral realms of this earth. Anyone can turn around. It's possible. Because we're all sparks yeah. of God in the end. Exactly. I agree, Alison. The, the light will win. Interesting, just going back to what you were talking about with the cosmic net, I was oh, thinking yes. that even in a very, very basic way, we can sort of achieve that in a way to a certain extent by when we hear about suffering in a part of the world, 
we do in the Ethereum Society and other people as well, raise our hands in prayer because, and allow the love from our hearts to flow out to help raise these people. And in my mind, in some small degree, that is a, a beginning of this concept. Yes, I know exactly what you're saying. And I, I think you're right. But you see that the energy that we send out helps to raise the whole. And that, that yes. is what is so important. And it puts out a certain energy into the mind belt. And then people can tune into this. And uh, hopefully, not in the not-too-distant future, the time will come when people won't want to think these dark thoughts of going to war, causing pain and suffering. Because if you close off those thoughts, you know, it's like the, the concept of the mind belt and our mind being like a sort of pincushion, and, you know, the more you attract certain thoughts, the easier it is to keep thinking them. But so oh, you, have to start a, you have to start a, attracting to yourself higher thoughts. And the more this energy becomes prevalent in the mind belt, the more we'll think of it and tune into it and want to become spiritual. You know, it's all, it's all sort of unfo an unfolding of higher consciousness. I think that's very, very relevant now, Alison, that point, is because there's so much confusion and so many people adhering to and spending a lot of time with conspiracy theories that they don't know if they're true or not. And, oh, and a lot of people yes. are feeling very, very um, upset. There's suicides. And, and yet the secret here is exactly as you said, is to study truth. Yes. Um, and, and there's only truth. truth. There's not your truth or my truth. It's truth. And that applies to every human being on earth. It's the same in every religion. There, you know, it, it, has to, it has to be the same. And I mean, the spiritual hierarchy of earth. How do, you know, these are beings, masters, earth masters, who've gone through the initiation of ascension, through different schools of uh, development. You know, the, the Kabbalistic way, there's the old yogic way. You know, there could be the, the, the Chinese uh, philosophy and practice. There's so many different ways. And then, of course, now it is service. And that is set out, of course, in the Nine Freedoms. As we well, know. Here, I have to give, we have to give a plug to um, Richard's fantastic weekly uh, show, and you can find out more details um, on our website, ethereus.org. It's called Spiritual Freedom, and it's based on the nine freedoms, as you say. So please do listen to Richard's show on the nine freedoms. You'll find it at ethereus.org. Alison, we're coming to the last minute or two now. It's been a pleasure to have you on, and I wonder if there's any last thoughts that you'd like to offer. Well, you know, at the end of the transmission, Gotha speaks to Earth. This, uh, this individual, this master who then commu who communicated, who came to visit our master and the American headquarters, he made this statement, you know, that the help that he's giving to Operation Sunbeam, that they're taking karma. And I'll just quote now. We are doing this in honor of the three adepts and in honor of the individual you call Mr. King, in honor of what he has done for a world, and in honor of those few dedicated souls who were wise enough to see the true path to active righteousness 
and were courageous enough to travel this path. Because of the few, ladies and gentlemen, you will all benefit because of the few, because of the few, because of the few. That's a beautiful way to end. Thank you so much, Alison. Thank you. Wonderful show. I'd like to hand over now to Nikki if we have time for a last few announcements. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, what can one say? I'm always uh, speechless. (laughs) Thank you so very much, Chrissy and Alison, for sharing this amazing insight into the lesson of Gotha. You have been listening to a Sirius Radio Live, which is your cosmic connection, the third Tuesday of each month. As mentioned earlier, visiting Sirius.org will provide you with the details of the intensive program of services live streamed from the Sirius Temples in London and Los Angeles, together with the online 12 Blessing services at 12blessings.org. And as always, you can always gain full details of various publications and audio titles that are also available as ebooks, CDs, or downloads. Just a quick recap, Tuesday, March the 2nd, there will be a King Yoga Experience event live streamed from the Assyrian Temple in London entitled Intelligent Alien Life Exists in Our Solar System. And on, remember to join us if you would like to again, please, on March the 16th, when Richard Lawrence will be joined by his guest, Brian Kniep, and they will be talking about Dr. King's last message, last, sorry, I should repeat myself again, Dr. King's last mission, Operation Powerlight. So you can connect with your hosts, Chrissy Blaze and Richard Lawrence, by visiting their respective websites, chrissyblaze.com and richardlawrence.co.uk. We hope you enjoyed listening to Ethereum Radio Live, and we really look forward to your company next month. All the very best and take care.